Friday, the 29th of September. It's the Feast of the Archangels. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we give you thanks and praise. Through the power of Michael, leader of the heavenly armies in the war against evil, protect your people, Lord. Through the word of Gabriel, message bearer of the gospel, save your people, Lord. Through the intervention of Raphael, companion and healer, comfort your people, Lord. O God, in your great wisdom, you have given to your angels and to your people each their proper tasks. Grant us the protection of the angels who serve ever in your presence. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Saints Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, pray for us. Happy Feast Day to anybody named any of those things, by the way, this morning. I know several of you for each of those categories of name. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news, and up this hour, we've got a lot going on. Uh, Deacon Stephen Gray Donis is teaching theology and doing a uh, seminar for Gonzaga University on the multiverse and Catholic philosophy and using the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Spider-Verse and stuff as the jumping-off point. If the biggest blockbusters of our time are caring about this question, it'd be interesting to know what the Catholic Church teaches about these kinds of questions. So, we'll get into some of that. Father Sebastian Walsh joins us from St. Michael's Abbey. It is their onomastico today. He's going to talk a little bit about the construction um, and the thinking behind why it was built the way it was built. We'll talk to Ken Craycraft with some thoughts on the Synod on Synodality. Father Hezekiah Carnazzo along at the end of the hour as well as we look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings. So, stay with us if you are able. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis is pre- preparing to preside over a new consistory to create new cardinals. The 21 men who will be elevated tomorrow come from all over the world, among them American-born Cardinal-elect Robert Prevost, who heads up the Dicastery for Bishops, as well as the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, Cardinal-elect Christophe Pierre. This all coming ahead of the opening of the Synod Assembly for the Synod on Synodality next week. In Washington, the U.S. is forging ahead with a stopgap. The U.S. Senate is forging ahead with a stopgap funding bill before the government potentially shuts down at the end of this month. A partial government shutdown would affect millions of Americans, including federal workers who will be furloughed without pay. Military employees and essential workers in the Federal Aviation Administration would be required to work without pay. To avoid a shutdown, the Senate yesterday voted to open debate on a stopgap bill that would extend federal spending until November 17th. The the bill still has to get past House Republicans, who are demanding deeper cuts in spending. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer is issuing subpoenas for Hunter Biden's bank accounts, bank records, as part of the GOP's impeachment inquiry into the president. 
Mark Mayfield has more. House Republicans claim that the president improperly profited off his son's foreign business dealings. On Thursday, Comer released a statement saying bank records and witness testimony reveal that Joe Biden abused his public office for his family's financial gain. He also subpoenaed the bank records of President Biden's brother and Hunter Biden's associate, Eric Schwerin. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Northeast is bracing for more flooding. The National Weather Service says a high-impact flood event could impact millions of people in the New York tri-state area today. Forecasters say nearly an inch of rain per hour is possible as well as flash flooding. New York City officials have issued a travel advisory through early tomorrow morning. Heavy rain is also likely in Connecticut and New Jersey. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain will take to Facebook Live at 10 a.m. Eastern time to announce the next steps in the strike against the big three Detroit automakers. Last Friday, the strike expanded from three plants to an additional 38 GM and Stellantis plants and distribution locations. The strike was not expanded at Ford plants because of the progress that had been made in contract talks with Ford. The Holy See's Secretary for Relations with States is urging UN member states to develop a spirit of service. Vatican News reports Archbishop Paul Gallagher was speaking during the UN's high-level week. He said, quote, as part of this shared commitment, rulers must put aside their own needs, expectations, and desires for sovereignty or omnipotence before the concrete gaze of the most fragile, end quote. The IRS is imposing new rules for ticket resellers. More from Brian Shook. An updated form says anyone who made more than $600 by reselling tickets on StubHub or Ticketmaster will have to report that money as taxable income. It's a big change from the previous threshold, which was anyone who made over $20,000 in revenue. During Taylor Swift's recent heiress tour, stories about resellers made headlines as tickets that were normally $200 were being resold for thousands. I'm Brian Shook. And in our secular but still liturgically infused culture, National Coffee Day is here. The National Coffee Association says about two-thirds of Americans drink coffee daily, some of us more than others, and drink on average about three cups per day. Again, some of us more than average. The FDA says healthy adults can have four to five cups daily, and stay within the recommended caffeine limit. Studies have also suggested that moderate coffee intake could help you live longer and help prevent illnesses like heart disease, Parkinson's, and depression. Do we need, like, a coffee awareness day? Was that, like, a something uh, that the, the masses are screaming of? It's, like, not enough people know about coffee. We must have uh, a day I just want to make sure to that people know that, that coffee is a thing. I Just, tell you what. Yes. Well, you know I, mean, what, I was going to drink it anyway. I know, right? But now I'm aware that I'm drinking it. You know what would be awesome is if um, I want. I guess National Coffee Day is always September 29th. So I think we need. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's today is National Coffee Day, so. I should have found my Sunrise Morning Show mug for this. This is something. Well, I was just thinking, Matt, we got to call You got like up. A, somebody's pottery project, and I got something from, I think, that a relative picked up in Germany. Neat. Well, what, what I was going to say. Neither suggest. one of us are on brand today. I know. This is 
the um, with these cameras running now we've got to start wearing we logo gotta, gear uh, oh my gosh product right. placement all these sorts of things well i was gonna say we gotta we gotta call up the mystic monks and be like guys national coffee day is the feast of the archangels you mm. need an archangel coffee blend indeed yeah, what do you think what would be the flavor is not mystic monk i don't have mystic monk product i've got i think lego and john deere neat and maybe some you know what that's and some bible and whoever trophies. made this candle back here that smells like mahogany and apple but mahogany and apple yeah. did you choose that i mean i know you spend a an egregious amount of time in the flavored candle section of your the man candle store. section mahogany and apple yeah hmm. i wish you could smell it through the radio but we haven't updated that feature on the live stream no not yet not yet stay tuned folks stay tuned it's eight minutes past the hour we've been talking with deacon stephen gray donis who's written a lot on the moral implications of multiverse theory uh in various ways through dr strange and the spider verse and some other places and you're giving a talk deacon stephen at gonzaga in uh, washington uh tell us what the context of this event is and then let's dig into your topic so gonzaga university hosts a faith film philosophy seminar every year at the end of september and this year's seminar is devoted to the subject of multiverses in movies and and this topic was occasioned by a couple of things, one of them being the huge popular and Oscar success and critical success of the Daniels movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And the other is, of course, what's going on in the world of superheroes, including the MCU, but also the Spider-Verse, and apparently an article that I wrote for Catholic World Report last year about uh, nihilism and humanism in the MCU is one of the things that tipped them into doing into doing this uh, this topic. So when I thought about what I was going to write about, I decided that for me the most natural thing was to write about the role of the multiverse in superhero movies specifically. And so the very nerdy name for my for my talk is Crisis of Meaning in Infinite Earths which is a reference to a famous comic storyline back in the 80s called Crisis in Infinite Earths. But in this case, it's a crisis of meaning. I think that was DC, wasn't it? Not yeah, Marvel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, yeah. so you've got all these things going on. Um, and there are a lot of people who are like really following and excited about the Captain America, Tony Stark, Avengers Thor storyline. And we finally beat Thanos. And then Marvel's like, well, let's keep this going. And now everybody's just colossally confused. <laughs> with everything that Marvel has done ever since. But I want to. St I was trying to think about a good question to set this up and get you going. Uh, so in the first Avengers movie, um, Captain America, you know, was getting ready to jump out the plane, and Black Widow stops him and says, you know, don't go down there. Those are basically gods. And he says, there's only one god, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. And it's one of the greatest, you know, kind of most rousing lines in those early movies. And it seems like... Everything ever since has been working to undermine how naive Captain America was for having said that <laughs> with the multiverse stuff. So what what is sort of the moral premise, at least in the MCU, uh, and even in the Spider-Verse, what are some of the things that are being raised by throwing in this whole multiverse scenario? So one of the big questions is, is there a way that things are supposed to happen? Is there a plan to the universe? Uh, this is something that even unbelievers 
tend at certain key moments in their life to assume. Uh, I point out in my talk that in the first Iron Man movie, after surviving, almost being killed by one of his own weapons, and then surviving being uh, his captivity by terrorists, Tony says, I shouldn't be alive unless it was for a reason. And he doesn't say what that reason might be, and the movie doesn't care. And that's okay, because it's a human thing to look at moments in our life like that and say, there's a meaning in this. The universe is trying to tell me something. That's a line that we also hear in Thor, um, Love and Thunder, when Jane Foster is dying of cancer, and her, her best friend says to her, you're not hearing what the universe is trying to tell you. So... As these movies unfold, though, this sense that there might be a meaning to reality runs into, on the MCU side, what is really the MCU's kind of their fundamental idea, maybe their only idea that runs through more than one movie, which is don't trust the man. Like, don't trust authority. Be skeptical of, of uh, patriarchal establishment figures. And, and they follow that all the way up, if not all the way to God, at least as close as you can probably get in a comic book movie. So it starts out with um, Odin Allfather, for instance, who seems to be a benevolent, wise, patriarchal figure. He's kind of, um, is, is he a god? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. He's an arbiter of worthiness. But later we find out that he sits on a throne of lies, on a throne of blood, that the history of Asgard is this cover-up history of conquest and bloodshed and, and maybe uh, genocide and the erasure of Thor's older sister, who is Odin's um, uh, bloodthirsty general, played by Kate Blanchett. Uh, this is, this, and so this, this instinct for revealing that the powers that be, um, that they have secrets and hidden uh, agendas and, and that they're not honest about their motives, um, as the stories get bigger and more cosmic and the authorities become closer and closer to God, you start to run into the question of, you know, is, is this ultimately going to, is the universe completely nihilistic or is it only nihilistic up to a point? Yeah, that's a great question. And this, <clears throat> this is where, you know, people are like, you're talking about superheroes and stuff. And well, yes, but they're also an interesting vehicle for talking about the Catholic perspective on free will and God's providence and plan you know, compared to something like a, a more scientific materialist determinist view or a, even a Calvinist view, I know you come from a Calvinist background, is what we are doing done because we are created out of love and invited into this big plan? Or is it, at the end of the day, it kind of doesn't matter to, to us, it's all been predetermined to elevate the sovereignty of whoever's at the top of the, at the, top of the pile, right? I mean, this is, a, this is kind of the question behind a lot of this. Absolutely, and that question is raised nowhere as pressingly as in um, Chloe Zhao's Eternals, where we find out that the creator Maybe the of... most depressing of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, by the way. A utterly yeah, depressing I... movie. Absolutely. There's basically a god figure who turns out to have just built us as cogs in a machine and has no love for us. He might not be god, but when you have a universe like that, you have to ask the question, if there is a god above that, what access do we have to his will? It seems like we're in an epistemologically perverse situation. We're not created in God's image, and so what can we know of moral truth? I can't help but think of the end of Chesterton's short story, The Blue Cross, where um, Flambeau the thief is posing as a priest, and he's saying, well, you know, who knows? Look at the stars. It could be infinite worlds with infinite truths and infinite you know, moral codes and the like, and uh, 
know, Father Brown checks him on that and says, no, uh, there may be infinite physical things out there, but there's only one truth, <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, I think that's kind of one of the questions that, that I at least hope gets raised in this discussion of multiverses. Like, is there a different standard in every single one of these things? Because ultimately, if the person at the top only cares about glory and self-preservation, then why would truth matter in any of these? Right. So there are two basic things that we have to say in response to that. And one of them is we have to let the story unfold and see where it goes. The story of the judgment of mankind in Eternals is not over yet. It may be that there is a higher authority that says that we have value as human beings, as life on Earth. And then I'm also really interested to see where the Spider-Verse is going, because it seems to me that there's a lot more hope for a truly humanistic and life-affirming answer in those films. Well, the people who make the Spider-Verse things are not into just doing predictable stuff. So I hope that you're right about that. So thank you, Deacon Stephen. I'll put a link to the Gonzaga University uh, Philosophy and Faith Seminar because it looks really fascinating. Thank you so much for your time. Excited to talk to you again. Excited about the new stage in your life. And hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. I would love to be back sometime. By the way, my talk is on Friday if anybody happens to be in driving distance of Spokane. All right. So Spokane area listeners, you heard it here. We're back with headlines right after this. It's 17 minutes past the hour. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is. And put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Jim Pinto, director of EWTN Media Missionaries. EWTN Media Missionaries prayerfully take EWTN to parishes and the community through the print and electronic media we provide. You can help EWTN share the good news by becoming a media missionary. Visit EWTNmissionaries.com today and join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Telling you, I think that promo with Jim Pinto might have like an 808 drop in. Uh, what? Feel that, feel that, uh, that promo. By the way, I'm going to be at the Catholic Radio Conference here in a few weeks, and I'm hoping I get to see Jim, among others. You're going to have to well, give no. everybody. You're going to have to be my vicarious. I'll vicariously hugger. fist bump everybody. No, I, I don't see fist bump. I hug. You hug. Well, I'll have to be a hugger. You can do a, a side hug if you need to. I might side hug youth group style while I'm it's down. Mean. 
What are the headlines? Pope Francis is presiding over a consistory tomorrow to create 21 new cardinals. In Washington, the U.S. Senate is forging ahead with a stopgap funding bill before a government shutdown at the end of the month. And the Holy See today has released the theme of the message for Pope Francis for the World Day of Social Communications. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of cool in this uh, online video chat, which you can access uh, our live video stream through sunrisemorningshow.com. It's right there in the show notes. The link will take you straight to our streams. Um, so you can see people commenting during the course of the show. Uh, but we still do get the emails and the other ways that people communicate. And Tony, uh, one of our listeners from Pennsylvania who hits us with notes every time, every now and then, she says that there's a collegium in Herrick College in Hagerstown, Maryland, that sells angel coffee. Wow. Oh. She sent me a picture of a, like one of those pods that you put in there, heavenly roast cherubim decaf. Ah, well, that's a great. Is the one at the top, but I don't want decaf, Tony. Yeah, no. This is a morning show. We don't do decaf on the Sunrise Morning Show. <laughs> what are you thinking? It's 41 fast. Up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at SunriseMorningShow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. O come, creator spirit, come, and make within our souls thy home. Supply thy grace and heavenly aid to fill the hearts which thou hast made. O gift of God most high, thy name is comforter whom we acclaim. The fount of life, the fire of love, the soul's anointing from above. The sevenfold gift of grace is thine, thou finger of the hand divine. The Father's promise true to teach Thy light to every sense impart, pour forth thy love in every heart. Our weakened flesh do thou restore, to strength and courage evermore. Drive far away our ghostly foe, thine own abiding peace bestow. If thou dost go before as guide, no evil can our steps betide. Through thee may we the Father learn, and know the Son, and thee discern, who art of both, and thus adore, in perfect faith forevermore. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Dominican Father Henry Steffen. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Father Sebastian Walsh. He's author of Secrets from Heaven and Always a Catholic Book from Catholic Answers Press. Good morning, Father. Welcome back. Good morning, Annie. Thank you. It is so good to have you, and I'm excited about our topic today, St. Michael the Archangel. Of course, he shares a feast today with St. Gabriel and, and St. Raphael. Now, you are a Norbertine canon at the Abbey of St. Michael. So how do you all celebrate the feast there? <laughs> so today is an abbatial solemnity. 
which means that it's a, it's a kind of the highest rank. The abbot celebrates the main mass, and uh, he's in, with his crozier and mitre and so forth, and all the Latin texts are sung. It's a very beautiful, um, very beautiful liturgy. And also, the office, divine office, is sung with greater solemnity. There's a lot more Latin. There are longer Latin responsories that are taken from a very ancient Norbertine tradition. But there's something very special that happens on this day. You may you remember we moved into a new abbey, and there's a beautiful story. The architect who built our abbey, he originally had he had retired, and he originally said no. But just as he was getting off the phone, he asked, "What's the name of your abbey?" And we said, "St. Michael's Abbey." And he started to cry, and he said, "I'll accept it." His son was named Michael and had died a premature death when he was in his 20s. And so on St. Michael's Day, something very beautiful happens right during the Magnificat. As Our Lady's hymn is being sung, the light from the rose window shines directly on the high altar on the Feast of St. Michael. So it's kind of a special architectural feature of our new abbey. Wow. Did he, like, figure out all of that, like, where the sun would be shining at a particular moment on that particular day? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That is incredible. (laughs) Now, let's just talk about St. Michael in general. Can you speak to the power of this archangel? Yes. So there is, as you mentioned, three angels who are mentioned by name in Scripture that we know are good angels. That's Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. There are two other angels that are named. There's Satan, obviously, who's a bad angel. And then there's Abaddon, who's the, the keeper of the abyss in the book of Revelation, who the church has never recommended for devotion, so we just assume he's a bad angel, not a good one. But each of those three archangels has a special mission from God, right? So Gabriel means the strength of God. That's what Gabriel, the E-L at the end of each name, means the Lord. It's an abbreviation for Elohim. Gabriel means the strength of God. Raphael means the remedy of God, so he's therefore you know, medicinal purposes, so to speak, in the book of Tobit. But Michael means who is like God. And that's a particular saying because of the fact that it was Satan himself who said he wanted to be like God. So Michael is the one who directly confronts Satan. He is, of all the angels, um, the one who, who fought, we read in the book of Revelation, against the dragon and defeated him by the power of God. Huh? So Michael, so to speak, takes the place of Satan in the heavenly hierarchy. He's God's new leader of the hosts of heaven. And, um, and it was because of his great humility. Who is like God, right? He, he's, his very name signifies his humility and the fact that he humbled himself before the Lord. So um, he probably has the highest place among all the angels in heaven at this point. That's an incredible thought, isn't it? The link between humility and power. Yeah, in spiritual matters, what did Jesus say? The last shall be first. Huh? So the one who's least among you shall, shall be the leader. Huh? And that was true about St. Michael. Father, how would you encourage people to pray for the intercession of St. Michael? Well, we have beautiful prayers already composed by the Church. There's a famous St. Michael prayer that was composed by Pope Leo XIII. And, um, and I recommend everyone say that prayer. It used to be that after every Mass, every low Mass, it celebrated in the whole Church, that we said the St. Michael prayer. And recently in a number of dioceses, including um, our own diocese in Orange, and also I know Springfield, Illinois, and a number of others, 
After Mass now, the faithful all say the St. Michael prayer. So that's the first thing I recommend, the prayer composed by Pope Leo XIII. But there are also other beautiful devotions. There's a chaplet of St. Michael. There are other um, devotional liturgical prayers for the archangels. I recommend looking up the texts from the liturgy for each of the archangels. And then, last but not least, in your private prayer, know that the angels are present and and speak to them the way you would speak to someone who's a, a, a powerful guardian, you know, who cares for you. And and that's not only true for the archangels, but your own guardian angels, you know, your own personally assigned angel to guard you. You should speak to your angels the way you speak in some way to your parents, huh? As someone assigned by God to care for you and protect you, but who loves you deeply and who sees you as their special charge. It's kind of cool, actually. It's incredibly cool to think that the angel who threw mm-hmm. Satan from heaven uh, can protect each of us from the wickedness and snares of the devil, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. We're glad he's on our side. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. We've been talking to Father Sebastian Walsh, who is a, can- a Norbertine canon at the Abbey of St. Michael. Father, if listeners want to check out pictures of that abbey you have in the Diocese of Orange or learn more about your abbey there, where do they go? Yes. Well, there's an online site for St. Michael's Abbey. I think michaelsabbey.com, you, you can come online and just see it. And there's, there's a section that has photos. There's all sorts of information about the abbey. Awesome. And you can find St. Michael's Abbey linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much, Father Sebastian Walsh. Of course, today we also celebrate the archangels. I think Father mentioned this. The Archangels Gabriel and Raphael or Raphael. Be interesting to know. Maybe I'll have Matt put up some kind of a poll. Is it Raphael or Raphael to you? I kind of tend toward Raphael myself. I don't know. Would love to know. SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.COM. You can go join the live stream chat. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Pope Francis is preparing to preside over a consistory to create new cardinals. The 21 men who will be elevated tomorrow come from all over the world, and among them is American-born Cardinal-elect Robert Prevost, who heads up the Dicastery for Bishops. And also, the Pope will be elevating the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, Cardinal-elect Christophe Pierre. This all coming ahead of the opening of the Synod on Synodality Assembly that will take place next week. In Washington, the U.S. Senate is moving ahead with a stopgap funding bill before the government is set to shut down at the end of the month. A partial government shutdown would affect millions of Americans, including federal workers who would be furloughed without pay, military employees and essential workers in the Federal Aviation Administration, would be required to work but will not get paid. To avoid a shutdown, the Senate Thursday voted to open debate on a stopgap bill that would extend federal federal spending until November 17th. The bill has yet to get past House Republicans who are demanding deeper cuts in spending. Former President Trump will not try to move his Georgia election interference case to a federal court. 
Ryan Shook has more. His lawyer said Thursday that the decision is based on Trump's well-founded confidence that the court intends to fully, completely protect his constitutional right to a fair trial and guarantee him due process of law. Many expected the former president to try to move the case in order to invoke immunity protections for federal officials. Trump has pleaded not guilty to all charges in a racketeering indictment for alleged efforts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results. I'm Brian Shook. Texas Attorney General Ken Ken Paxton and Yelp are suing each other over the verbiage used to describe crisis pregnancy centers online. After the Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs case overturning Roe v. Wade, Yelp began notifying users that pro-life crisis pregnancy centers, quote, typically provide limited medical services and may not have licensed medical professionals on site, end quote. Paxton said the site violated Texas law by posting allegedly incorrect information. Yelp preemptively sued Paxton on Wednesday in order to maintain the notices about crisis pregnancy centers not providing abortion. On Thursday, Paxton filed his own lawsuit alleging the company misled consumers. The president of the United Auto Workers, Sean Fain, will take to Facebook Live this morning to announce the next steps in the strike against the big three Detroit automakers. Last Friday, the strike expanded from three plants from each of the big three to an additional 38 GM and Stellantis parts and distributions locations. The strike was not expanded at Ford plants because of the progress that had been made in contract talks with them. The writers' strike is over, but Hollywood's actors are still picketing, demanding better pay and protections. Mark Mayfield has more. On Wednesday, SAG-AFTRA announced that they'll begin negotiations again next week. The talks will be attended by several executives from the Actors' Union and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. SAG-AFTRA members are asking for a bigger cut of the revenue from streaming shows and more protections against the use of artificial intelligence. I'm Mark Mayfield. Elon Musk is taking a tour of Eagle Pass, Texas to, in his words, quote, eyeball the situation going on at the southern border. Trey Thomas reports. Musk posted on X that he arrived at the city that borders Mexico on Thursday with Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez addressing members of the public in a live video. So here we are at Eagle Pass uh, and we're going to be meeting with uh, the major officials uh, and uh, law enforcement responsible for the border. Musk said the U.S. should have an expedited legal approval for migrants, but shouldn't let people in if they're breaking the law. I'm Trey Thomas. And the Holy See has released the Pope's theme for the next World Day of Social Communications. It is artificial intelligence and wisdom of the heart for a fully human communication. That's the news. It's 30. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. 
Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Deepen day by day the resolution to serve God devoutly, to attend to His will, and to be entirely His. Never deceive yourself that you have realized purity of heart unless you are entirely, freely, and joyfully subject to God's holy will in all things, even the most repugnant. Therefore, do not consider so much what you do, but the one who commands you to do them. To be a servant of God consists in being charitable to our neighbor, in being determined to follow God's will, and in putting up with our own imperfections. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us on this Feast of the Archangels. Pray for us. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft joining us again. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. He writes for the Catholic Telegraph, our Sunday visitor, and the Catholic Herald, among other publications. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Annie. Nice to be back with you. It is nice to have you back. So on October 4th, the delegates who have been chosen to attend the month-long assembly for the Synod on Synodality will be gathering for the first time. There have been many, many thoughts (laughs) by many, many very opinionated people um, shared over these, uh, gosh, how long has it been since these synod well, listening two, sessions began? Two years. It's been two, two years. years since the uh, since the whole process was implemented, and wow. uh, it's hard to believe it's been that long. I was looking back on some things I've written about it, and uh, yeah, the first thing that I wrote about it was uh, a little uh, more than two years ago, or a little less than two years ago, on the on the uh, initiating documents and uh, how unfortunately vague they were, mm-hmm. and uh, I you know, voiced pessimism at the time and and uh voice concern that uh, this was a, a road to nowhere and uh uh i have good days and bad days annie and some days i think still think it's a road to nowhere and actually unfortunately those are my good days well honestly <laughs> some days when I you think say it's a road, road when you say road to nowhere i just start singing the song so it automatically makes me much more optimistic <laughs> no, i'm just kidding I, I love that song though i'm on a road to nowhere anyway ken um what are your thoughts right now? Are you feeling any more hopeful? Well, I, it, you know, again, Annie, it really does have to do with with how I, you know, w- with what I had for breakfast. Um, mm. I, I, I can't say that I am. I, I'm hopeful in this in this sense, Annie. I'm hopeful in the sense 
that there are um, there are representatives who will be at the Senate on Senatality uh, who I think are going there with the right attitudes and going there with an openness to thinking about the articulation of the faith in the context of authentic development. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and a lot of those voices are coming from the U.S. They're not they're not representatives from the U.S. Who, are, who were appointed by the Vatican, but rather who are being sent by the USCCB. And that includes uh, 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 Bishop Robert Barron, of course, and, and some yeah. others. Uh, so in that context, I am optimistic because it seems to me that there will be a significant number of people who have, who have in my estimation, a proper understanding of doctrine, doctrinal development. On the other hand, Annie, there are a, a very significant people there who are going there with an agenda, uh, and that agenda is one that I'm very concerned about, and that the uh, the, the synod on synodality and the quote listening unquote is just a pro- is just a, a pro- well I should put it this way there's a conclusion uh, in search of a process, and the conclusion is already determined. And the, and the process is window dressing for reaching a conclusion or trying to force a conclusion about certain aspects of doctrine that are uh, in tension with, if not in some ways, um, looking very much uh, contradictory to how the church has understood certain issues. So, so and, and I think that a lot of people have the same sort of uh, reservations and optimism that I do on the one hand. Uh, yes, optimistic. On the other hand, very concerned that the Senate will be taken over by people with an agenda. Mm-hmm. And that agenda, I'm, I'm sorry to say, is not one that, that looks hopeful in terms of a proper understanding of how doctrine develops and how it does not. And, and so, you know, I'll be watching very, very carefully, as many other people will. But the difference between those two things, between what we call the, the development of do- doctrine and the corruption of doctrine, uh, is sometimes the line is thin, but uh, the ca- but the the differences are deep, and and that's what we have to watch for. Well, let me ask you this, because the one thing that I keep thinking about with the synod when when I start my own hand wringing over this is that is this really going to be the day that uh, that the Holy Spirit leaves the chair of Peter? I mean, I I believe Jesus when he says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that he founded. So, I mean, I think back to you look at at, at something like Humanae Vitae, for instance, and the the group of of bishops that we now know from history that wanted to go in a very different direction on the issue of contraception. And it looked by all accounts, that that was the way that the church was going to go. And, and Paul VI put the, the brakes on it. And yeah, and the, the successor of St. Peter put the brakes on it. So yeah. should we really be a little more hopeful for the church at large in this? I mean, who knows what's going to be said at the Synod, but do we need to worry that the church is going to abandon her doctrine here? Not the church, Annie, and that's and that's why and that's where uh, again it, I'm of of two minds when I think about this. So yes, the the promise of Christ obviously is a promise that we believe will ne- it will always uh, uh, be upheld, and that is uh, that He will never abandon the church. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that members of the church and even people who speak for the church are actually discerning the voice of the Spirit. And that's what I, I have to say that sometimes I get a, a little bit angry when I hear some people say that people who have questions about this process of synodality are denying the voice of the Spirit or are not listening yeah, to the voice ludicrous. of the Spirit. Yeah. Because, yes, exactly. It is because it, it isn't just because the church meets in a conclave doesn't mean that that the those pe- members of the conclave are listening to the spirit. Yeah. And 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 that's so we have this sort of, uh, you know, we have there's a group of people out there who who are very hopeful uh, that the Senate will reach certain conclusions about certain especially moral issues and 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 not just hopeful that it will, but but kind of confident that it will and therefore it will say well since the church has since the senate has reached these decisions that's the decision of the church that's what the holy spirit is saying that complete that completely begs the question the spirit speaks but we're perfectly uh, will uh, able uh, not to listen or to ignore the spirit and and that's but we have we have a group a very vocal group of people who are saying that well uh, if you if you deny or if you question this process of synodality, you're you're questioning the very promise of Christ that He won't abandon the church. Well, Christ won't abandon the church, but that doesn't mean its members won't abandon the church, and it's a very different thing. And when we start talking about uh, the you know the Holy Spirit speaking through the synod. Uh, because we believe that certain people believe that the Senate is going to reach a certain decision, then that should raise our antenna anyway. Um, and, and that's what I was concerned about from the very beginning of this, Annie, is that it was a it was that a, the pro, the Senate is, is is nothing but a veneer uh, over a conclusion that's already been reached. And all the Senate on synodality is going to do is to scrape away the veneer to reveal the conclusion. That's that's what concerns me and that it's not. It's not. It won't be authentic listening, but rather just um, uh, justifying uh, uh, a a conclusion that's already been reached. That's the pessimistic me. And again, as I said, I I'm of two minds of it, and I, and I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be uh, you know a, a naysayer, and I don't want to lead the charge of the naysayers, and I don't want to reject the process before it even concludes. But I have to say that as we've watched the process unfold. It's not. It's not uh, something that gives me a great deal of optimism. You know, one of the one of the things that I point out, and something that I've written about this, Annie, is that it's supposed to have been. This these listening sessions are supposed to have been for the uh, purpose of discerning the voice of the faithful. You know, the census fidele uh, of the entire church. Mm-hmm. Well, in the United States, it, uh, approximately one percent of professed Catholics uh, went to any of the listening session, and Annie. <laughs> That one percent in the United States, that was high yeah. worldwide. Yeah. Uh, so, so in some sense, you know, nobody's paying any attention. And and Pope Francis acknowledged that a couple of weeks ago that that many people are not even aware that this is even going on. Um, and and so there's a sense in which you know how can we say that this is the the sense of the faithful when the faithful aren't even paying any, any attention and when when the high uh, that one of the highest rates of participation in synod listening sessions is the United States and it's and, and it's about one percent so um, so we'll see what happens and keep an open mind but I I you know I guess in some one some days I'm optimistic, some days I'm pessimistic, and some days I venture back veer back and forth on the same day. Yep, I totally get it. I think that's uh, the census fide speaking through you, Ken, for sure. At <laughs> least based anec- anecdotally, <laughs> anyway, with people that I talk to. So 
You can go read Ken's thoughts about this. He's got a couple of different columns, one in the UK Catholic Herald, another one in the Catholic Telegraph. You can find it all linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Ken, it was good to talk to you. Thank you. Same here, Amy. Take care. All right. It is 13 till Father Hezekiah Carnazzo joins us next. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people, now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. This month's devotion is to Our Lady of Sorrows. We ask Mary to pray for us so that we can unite ourselves to her in her sorrow in the hope that we will one day also share her joy in the triumph of her Son. Join in this devotion to Mary and strengthen our connection to Our Lady with rosaries, statues, bracelets, holy cards, prayer booklets, and more. Available at EWTNRC.com. Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture, here to preview the readings for Mass this weekend. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And our first reading for Mass on Sunday is from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 18. And it begins this way, thus says the Lord, you say, the Lord's way is not fair. I mean, talk about a way to enter into the liturgy of the Word this weekend. Quite the reading from Ezekiel. What What is it all about? Well, Ezekiel is one of the prophets that is writing during the Babylonian exile, in which the people have been taken off to Babylon, and they're saying exactly what Ezekiel says, the Lord's way is not fair. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm reminded of, of, of the kids, right, when they you know, Daddy, why did you do, you know, and I say, well, you didn't make your bed the way you promised you would, so now you, there's consequences, right? So mm-hmm. Israel's in Babylon. Why? Well, because they, they were not true to the Lord, right? The, the, the text continues, here now, house of Israel, is it my way that is unfair, or rather are your ways unfair? When someone virtuous turns away from virtue to commit iniquity and dies, it is because of the iniquity is committed that he must die. But if he turns from wickedness he has committed and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. So the Lord's saying, look, 
what, what you have done has led you to where you are. It's not because I've been unfair to you, but because you've been uh, uh, untrue to me, right? Instead of offering the tithes that you promised to offer, instead of being charitable as you promised to be charitable, you enslaved your brother and you turned to idols, uh, and, and therefore the consequences are in front of you. But, and this is the, the important part of this, of this Sunday, but the Lord is merciful. And if you'll just repent, if you'll just call out to him, he will be near you. As we've been saying over the last few weeks, the readings have been saying, the Lord is ready to act in your life. If you'll just open your life to it, he's just not going to force it to happen. You're not going to be preserved in your homes and in the promised land in the temple while you're turning away from the Lord who's giving you these very good things. Yeah, And so we say in the, in the response to our Psalm, Psalm 25, this Sunday, Remember your mercies, O oh Lord. Right? Mercy is the love, as, as Pope Francis likes to say, mercy is love in action. Right? Remember your love for me, Lord. Pour out your life once again that I might live. Well, it's interesting, this reading from Ezekiel put in uh, conjunction with our gospel reading in Matthew chapter 21, when Jesus starts going after the the chief priests and the elders, just as the Lord did to the people through the prophet Ezekiel. Yeah, yeah, here we are, Matthew chapter 21, verse 28 and following. And, And what we need to know is that Jesus now made his way from Galilee to Jerusalem. Palm Sunday has taken place, and he's now standing in the temple. And he knows these guys. He's turned over the tables. He's caused real turmoil in Jerusalem. And now the chief priests, the elders, are upset. They're mad. And they're going, to, they're going after him. And Jesus now, far from turning to his disciples and teaching them in parables and things like that, he takes off the gloves and goes after these guys. And what he says here in this gospel is right, right in their face, right? He says, what is your opinion? A man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, go out into the vineyard. And the first son said, I will not. But later on, he went out. And his second son says, I will. But then he doesn't go out, right? So who is he talking to? Well, he's talking to the Jews. And, uh, and he's saying, look, look, I, the, the Gentiles, the world was my, was my creation, right? And yet they revolted against me. And then I came to you, Israel, and I, and I nurtured you and I cultivated you. And you said you would be faithful to me, but you said you'd be faithful to me, and you weren't. It was lip service, right? So who's going to be favored? Who's, who's the right one? Well, as he says, prostitutes and tax collectors are entering the kingdom of God before you. You Jews who say you're faithful are just doing lip service to the Lord. And these people that are following me, right, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the poor the indigent, the, the, uh, the, the, the lepers, the lame, the blind, they're all getting into the kingdom before you, right? And it's a big, for us as Catholics, I think this is very applicable, right? Because we're, we, we are, in a sense, the chosen people. God founded the church. And yet, are we just paying lip service to the Lord? Is our heart really in there? Because the Lord is ready to act. He's ready to be merciful in our lives. If we'll just be honest and open and true with Him. Yeah. I was going to ask, because this is yet another reading in this theme that I feel like we've been getting from the Church over, what, three or four weeks now, Father, about 
what is the true nature of the mercy of God and and the fact that we might have a hard time swallowing it in in our pride here as as Christians. Yeah, and I think I think humility is the key here, right? God mm-hmm. God is merciful, but for Him to act, right? For for Him to to be love in action in my life, I need to humble myself and realize that first of all, just because yes, I was baptized, yes, I'm a member of the church, it's not enough. There has to be an internal repentance for our sins, an internal recognition of how far we've fallen from the grace of God, and a willingness in our, in our situation to go to holy confession, to approach the Lord in humility rather than in pride, and, and, act, and act and ask from the bottom of our heart for the Lord to be present in my life and to act, and then the sinner will find life. Then the sinner will find happiness. Then we'll find true joy in our life. But not just because because of who I am. And that's the temptation in our modern world, right? Everything is ours by right. My brothers and sisters, nothing is ours by right. Everything is ours by gift. And the only response to the gift is to say thank you and to open our life up to the Lord's mercy. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, and Father, if listeners want to check out what's going on at the Institute of Catholic Culture, how do they get in touch? We launch our new curriculum year this coming week with Father Spitzer on the Eucharistic miracles of the 21st century. Come check us out at instituteofcatholicculture.org. Everything is free of charge, instituteofcatholicculture.org. Father Spitzer live at the ICC this coming Tuesday. Very exciting. Thank you so much, Father. That'll do it for this hour of the Sunrise Morning Show. we got another hour coming up for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It is Friday, September the 29th. It's the Feast of the Archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and Raphael. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O God, who dispose in marvelous order ministries both angelic and human, graciously grant that our life on earth may be defended by those who watch over us as they minister perpetually to you in heaven. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Archangels of God, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being with us as we continue through a Friday morning. Some of you have been with us for a little bit already, and we are glad to have you along. Some of you have been joining us in the past couple days on our new, uh, newly launched video live stream. You can check that out at sunrisemorningshow.com. Click the show notes, and you can join the chat box over there as well. Up this hour, there is much to get to. We hope that you'll stay with us for a fair amount of it. We'll talk more about the archangels, especially Gabriel and Raphael this morning. I've got a 
I've got a gauntlet to throw down for the folks at Covenant Radio and our buddy Adam Wright, who does Roadmap to Heaven. The last baseball series of the season between his Cardinals and our Reds starts tonight, and we got to put we got to put something on this. We got a gentleman's wager, although Anna Mitchell will be involved as well, so it won't be completely gentleman's wager. But we're going to make a bet with Covenant Radio this morning. Bobby Schindler will join us from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Also, Father Jonathan Duncan to preview the Sunday Mass readings. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. It's a service. Paul's not going to push the button until I say it. It's a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Good morning. Pope Francis is preparing to preside over a consistory to create new cardinals. The 21 men who will be elevated tomorrow come from all over the world. Among them, American-born Cardinal-elect Robert Prevost, who heads up the Dicastery for Bishops currently, as well as the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, Cardinal-elect Christophe Pierre. This all coming ahead of the opening of the Senate Assembly next week on October 4th. In Washington, Congress is coming close to running out the clock on avoiding a government shutdown at the end of the week. Federal funding is set to expire tomorrow night if lawmakers fail to strike a deal. A group of conservatives in the House is pushing for deep spending cuts that probably couldn't make it through the Democratic-controlled Senate. Meanwhile, Senate leaders are pushing a plan to fund the government through mid-November, which includes aid for Ukraine and disaster relief funding, both of which are opposed by that group of conservatives. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer is issuing subpoenas for Hunter Biden's bank records as part of the GOP's impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Mark Mayfield reports. House Republicans claim that the president improperly profited off his son's foreign business dealings. On Thursday, Comer released a statement saying bank records and witness testimony revealed that Joe Biden abused his public office for his family's financial gain. He also subpoenaed the bank records of President Biden's brother and Hunter Biden's associate, Eric Schwerin. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Northeast is bracing for more flooding. The National Weather Service says a high-impact flood event could impact millions of people in the New York tri-state area today. Forecasters say nearly an inch of rain per hour is possible as well as flash flooding. New York City officials have issued a travel advisory through early Saturday morning. Heavy rain is also likely in Connecticut and New Jersey. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain will be taking to Facebook Live in a couple of hours at 10 a.m. Eastern time to announce the next steps in the strike against the big three Detroit automakers. Last Friday, the strike expanded from three plants to an additional 38 GM and Stellantis parts and distributions locations. The strike was not expanded at Ford because of progress made in their contract talks. The Holy See's Secretary for Relations with States is urging U.N. member states to develop a spirit of service. Vatican News reports Archbishop Paul Richard Gallagher was speaking during the U.N.'s high-level week. He said, quote, as part of this shared commitment, rulers must put aside their own needs, expectations, and desires for sovereignty or omnipotence before the concrete gaze of the most fragile. The IRS is imposing new rules for ticket resellers. 
Brian Shook has more. An updated form says anyone who made more than $600 by reselling tickets on StubHub or Ticketmaster will have to report that money as taxable income. It's a big change from the previous threshold, which was anyone who made over $20,000 in revenue. During Taylor Swift's recent heiress tour, stories about resellers made headlines as tickets that were normally $200 were being resold for thousands. I'm Brian Shook. And the Holy See has released the theme for the next World Day of Social Communications taking place next year, Artificial Intelligence and Wisdom of the Heart for a Fully Human Communication. The note that comes along with this theme says the evolution of artificial intelligence systems makes it ever more natural to communicate through and with machines so that it has become increasingly difficult to distinguish computation from thought and the language produced by a machine from that generated by human beings. Like all revolutions, this one, based on artificial intelligence too, poses new challenges to ensure that machines do not contribute to a large-scale system of disinformation and do not also increase the loneliness of those who are already alone, depriving us of the warmth that only communication between people can provide. I mean, it sounds pretty common sense, but, but you know, the church has been but. saying this kind of thing about all technology for a very long time. As a matter of fact, on This Week in Catholic History, next week, uh, Kevin Schmeising is going to be talking about the first ever address of a pope to the United Nations as Paul VI. Oh, yeah. And he does some quotes from that talk to the United Nations from a pope from a very long time ago. Well, it feels like wow. a long time ago. From last century. Yeah. Before any of this internet stuff, and it's it, it just sounds like it could have been said yesterday. The church has been mm-hmm. saying the same kinds of things about social oh communications for a very long time. Yeah, you're not kidding. Um, I'm in uh, at the Institute of Catholic Culture. We're in the midst of a Catholic political thought course with uh, with Dr. Chad Pecknold, and the documents that we have been reading because we we started. This is the modern era, I guess you could say. Modernity and the common good is what it's called. And it starts with um, the response of the church to Martin Luther, and then we're moving forward. So we just finished reading um, Marare Vos by Pope Pius the Ninth, okay. or no, that was Gregory the Sixteenth. What was the one we just read by Pius the Ninth? In any event, we just read Pius the Ninth, and it could have been written today. Yeah. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how much the church has thought about these things, and they seem so current. Well, what's interesting about all this, and it has to do—well, uh, anytime the church says anything about stuff that the whole world is thinking about, the church always brings a dimension that the world's not usually thinking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world's often yeah. thinking about how do we market this, how do we get it into as many hands as possible, how do we decrease as much work as possible, how do we, you know— maximize efficiency or decrease costs and that sort of thing. Even on a question like the environment, right? We're looking at this next encyclical by the Pope, which is a follow-up to Laudato Si. I got a a bit of a spoiler alert for you. What the Pope is probably going to say in the midst of everything else is that whatever else you do about the environment, don't ever forget that human human beings and human dignity has got to be the point of reference for it. So if you go around talking about exterminating people, you know, to preserve resources, whatever, well, that's a non-starter. 
for the church. Yeah. Non-starter. This for the is church. one of the things that really this is going to get us on a whole tangent, Matt, but this is one of the things that most frustrates me about those outside of the church looking in, but also uh, the extremes on the edges of, um, you know, changing the church into a political institution um, and how to read Pope Francis um, is that I have found increasingly, and, and this is something that's going on with the Synod as well, that um, that the extremes, both the, the let's we'll use the political terms here, both the left and the right in within the church are using the secular media as their information source because the secular media is saying the things that they want to believe about what Pope Francis is saying. And I mean this for both the left and the right yeah. because the, uh, the left, of course, is cheering on what the secular media is saying about Pope Francis the right wants to believe that that is exactly what Pope Francis is saying because they don't like Pope Francis and they want to believe that he is trying to change church teaching. He's trying to move the church in a direction that when you actually look at what he's saying, this is why I, I those who were listening last hour to me with Ken Craycraft would um, heard me bring this up. Like, you know, as, as soon as I start hand wringing about the synod, I have to remind myself, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus when he said that he wasn't going to leave us. So now is not the time that the Holy Spirit is going to throw up his, you know, invisible hands and say, well, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm going I'm somewhere you, else. I have no idea what you've started here, but I, 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 <laughs> I'm very careful about what I have to say Archangels, about this because, but... well, I mean, we can, we can, there, there'll be time for that. Yes. Um, I've been very careful about saying anything about this, and I will continue to be careful. And even the statements I'm about to make are going to be very careful because, mm -hmm. uh, let's face it, uh, my job is not to go to the synod and make my recommendations. My job is to go to confession and go to mass and be in a state of grace and raise a family and mm -hmm. be a better husband than I'm being. Yeah. <laughs> That's my actual job. Dude, amen. Uh, which is the only thing that has really you know, carried the church forward and the mission of the Holy Spirit in the midst of you know, people who are doing all kinds of wacky things. What I will say this is that a lot of times people come up with their conclusions and then they go over and uh, do interviews and try and figure out what quotes from this story will fit the conclusions I drew before I mm -hmm. before I read this story. So you got some of that. You got some of that. Uh, what you also have is, you know, conversations going on and there's this great temptation to always go for the craziest interpretation and I think that there are some people who want horrible things to happen because then they can stand back and say, see, I told you this horrible right. thing would happen, yeah. and it gives them credibility. You don't want to be there, right? You want to be on the side of truth and beauty and goodness no matter what. Mm -hmm. But there's another thing that happens here, too. When it comes to these controversial issues, and this is the real reason that we are very careful here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I know that some media outlets you know, are— all send it all the time, and just like some news outlets are all politics all the time, and then all you do is just watch for hours. You can't look away, and you just walk away all just, you know, frothed up and mad. <laughs> I think that I like there's real damage that gets up and mad. <laughs> frothed up, like a like, like a, a bad latte, latte yeah. on National Coffee Day. Um, but I think that there is damage done to the conversation when someone sees something has a reasonable objection to it, begins to raise the reasonable objection, and then some loud, crazy person comes up, says, hey, 
Let me have that mic, and I'm going to do what he was saying, except I'm going to scream it in a mutated form. Like, I mm-hmm. think that's probably a damaging thing. I think it's a damaging thing when right. we're trying to have reasonable conversations about reasonable concerns, but loud, uh, chaotic actors mm-hmm. dominate the conversation. And it happens all over. I mean, this is this is how social media has kind of kind of made its way. People have realized that this is a way to generate revenue, too. Have the angriest, most fear-mongering take. But I will say this, Anna Mitchell. Always be careful around someone who's constantly trying to make you mad or afraid and also has something to sell you. Yeah. Just always be careful around those people. I mean, I'm always careful around people that just want to make me mad or afraid. But You should be mad about some things. Yeah. And there's some things you should have a cautious fear that causes you to not do stupid things that put you Mm -hmm. in harm. Yep. But fear and anger are not the basis for the Christian life. And don't be the kind of person who has, uh, gets more enjoyment out of envisioning your enemies in hell than envisioning Mm -hmm. yourself in heaven. That's all I'm going to say about that. Truth bomb from Matt Swain. Is that what you were, was that what we were supposed to talk about in this segment? No, I don't it, think was it was absolutely we not what we were supposed we were supposed to talk about Gabriel and Raphael because we've done so many interviews on St. Michael. We've and got we St. Michael coming up. We're going to be talking about the St. Michael prayer with uh, Father Patrick Briscoe in, a, in just a few minutes. But um, he's a good one to pray through, you know. St. Right. Raphael for those who um, who need help Healing, seeing. happy meetings. Yeah, happy meetings. St. Raphael. I was trying to look up. Um, if people were watching the live stream, they saw me like looking down. I was trying to find the uh, image of a prayer that I got from Duncan Stroik in a Christmas card once. And it was something along the lines of St. Raphael, patron of happy meetings, help me to meet who I'm supposed to meet today. It was something along those lines. I didn't say it quite well enough, but that's the sentiment. I feel like the idea comes across. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll just gonna while we're at it, then I'll uh, I'll offer a prayer then for the intercession of Saint Raphael to any of you, to all the single ladies, all the single, all the single ladies. ladies and men. I I will say this: I know a lot more quality single women on the market who've made excellent spouses than I do men. So this is a call out to all you men. Step it grow up, up a guys! Little bit. Snap come on. into come on, man! Come on, dudes! Make a commitment. You guys gotta you guys gotta make it easier for me to recommend you. Please. Please. I know some excellent single ladies. I everybody does. We just gotta find more excellent single men. Mm-hmm. Alright. I've got a challenge out to the Covenant Network and I'm gonna lay it out. Actually it was challenged to us, but we're gonna lay it out after the break plus headlines. It is sixteen minutes past the hour. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. 
For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Mystic Monk Coffee has brought back their pumpkin spice blend, and unlike the competition, buying their coffee has the added bonus of supporting the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming and the Sunrise Morning Show. Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click the Mystic Monk link to get that or any of their other coffee blends or teas. When you check out, we earn a commission. And there's no better vessel for your Mystic Monk pumpkin spice latte than a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug. Find those in our online store. Do pumpkin spice the Catholic way. Just head on over to sonrisemorningshow.com. Saints Alive is a radio theater podcast for kids that tells the story of the saints filled with adventure, heroism, virtue, and humor. You can hear Saints Alive as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNRadio.net slash podcasts today. 18 past, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis is preparing to preside over a consistory to create new cardinals tomorrow. In Washington, Congress is coming close to running out the clock on avoiding a government shutdown by midnight tomorrow. And the Holy See Secretary for Relations with States is urging U.N. member states to develop a spirit of service. All right, while the Pope is creating Cardinals tomorrow, the Reds will be playing the Cardinals tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. And Adam Wright, who hosts Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network throughout the Midwest United States, an EWTN affiliate with lots of great lots of great stations, uh, has thrown it down for us because we, uh, we give the Cardinals a hard time on this radio station as Reds fans. So here's what Adam has proposed. You ready for the Santa Mitchell? Okay, I'm ready. All right, he says that if the Cardinals take this last series of the year from the Reds, the Sunrise Morning Show will send Adam at Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Radio two cans of Skyline Chili, oyster crackers, and I have I have to say on air, while the Reds had a better season than the Cardinals, when it comes to Reds versus Cardinals, Adam Wright's beloved Cardinals are the better team. Well, now, I'm not saying that now. Oh, you're just, okay. Because I don't believe that. I might mm-hmm. say it and not believe it even if it happens. Okay. But if the Reds take the series Roadmap to Heaven and Adam Wright will send the Sunrise Morning Show... Uh, Old Vienna Red Hot Riplets, which is Southern-style barbecue for those who cannot tolerate the heat. Or there's a... I'm going to go with the hot part. And a gooey butter cake. He was going to send us some ice cream, but the shipping, I think, was too insane. And I don't blame him. I understand. Which is why we're not sending him Grater's ice cream either. Yeah. But we got three games, Anna Mitchell. Go. I wanted the Reds to beat the Cardinals anyway. But now it's for real. It's for real. Because I want Adam Wright over at Covenant Network to send me... Because you know what? Skyline chili cans are real expensive nowadays. Are they? Yeah. Like $6 I hope, I hope a can. I to not find out. 21 past. If you're and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. 
all available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. If there is one psalm that bears a great fascination for Christians, it is Psalm 22. Like many others, it is a call for the Lord's help. But Psalm 22 contains elements that seem particularly Christian. The opening verse of the psalm was quoted by Jesus on the cross. Later verses give details of the sufferings that Jesus endured. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my prayer, from the words of my cry. My heart is like wax melting away within my bosom. Indeed, many dogs surround me. A pack of evildoers closes in upon me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have numbered all my bones. They look on me and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. O Lord, be not far from me. O my help, hasten to aid me. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Dale Paterka. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Father Patrick Briscoe from Our Sunday Visitor. You can find them online at OurSundayVisitor.com and a few other places. They've got OSB News and some other cool things. Father, good morning. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you wrote recently about the St. Michael Prayer, and it's a prayer beloved to many people, and uh, I figured that... Uh, this would be a great opportunity for me to ask you, uh, do you say thrust into hell or cast into hell uh, when it comes to uh, that prayer? Yeah, this is one of the great debates, right? I'm a, I'm a cast into hell man. I'm a cast into hell guy, too. The, uh, like, you know, it's so funny. Some of these, um, these translations that, uh, that uh, didn't catch on in an official way, right, where there are those little variations, it is, a, it is a funny thing that you notice when you recite the prayer alongside someone. It is indeed. You know, you can kind of watch people's lips moving. But the sentiment remains the same, no matter which word you use there. Uh, the St. Michael Prayer, uh, of course, it was written by St. Leo. Pope, uh, I'm not not St. Leo, not yet. Yeah, Pope Leo Thirteenth. <laughs> but if, if you could maybe give us a sense of, of why he wrote it, when he wrote it, and what he recommended it for. Yeah, I think what's very interesting is that, um, is that this prayer was ordered by Pope Leo XIII to be prayed alongside three Hail Marys and the Hail Holy Queen after Mass. And so the part of the idea was that uh, the, the recitation of this prayer by the Church throughout the world uh, would be a powerful means of combating anti-clericalism, um, which, was a, which was a powerful force in Italy at the time. And so Pope Leo XIII was worried about the temporal freedom of the sovereignty of, of the Holy See, so he asked Catholics to marshal a, a spiritual army against that threat. So, so the prayer was really, was really begun as a threat of secularism, a threat of worldliness, um, again, a threat of 
anti-clericalism threatening the independence of, of the Holy See. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating, you know, that it has to do with sort of this temporal question, because so many of us, uh, when we lean on that St. Michael prayers for something that feels like an entirely spiritual struggle <laughs> that we're going through at the time. Right, and you see, that's what's so interesting, is that you see how Pope Leo understood them to be connected. And I think that the, the anti-clericalism thing is important, too, and because today we, we see so much of a struggle against the priesthood, right, the, the, moral, of the, the, the moral authority of the priesthood, um, completely undermined by the clerical sexual abuse scandal, uh, the ability for priests to teach um, Catholic doctrine today, uh, again, threatened the idea of, of what a priest does as the one who leads worship, the priest leads the people in offering the son's sacrifice to the father. So, so we have a number of challenges to the priesthood today. And I think understanding that uh, the Pope Leo XIII ordered the praying of the prayer in part for the protection of the priesthood, I think that's an extremely meaningful thing. And I, th- I think that's something that, that, that we should continue to reflect on. Well, it's certainly something that uh, I reflect on often because I happen to, I mean, I don't know if you know this, in my line of work, I, I actually know a lot of priests. And uh, <laughs> I know a lot of them through more than just like their public facing aspects of their ministry i happen to know a bunch of them as friends and guess what turns out they're like regular old people in a lot of ways (laughs) right in terms of the struggles and issues they face but in some ways they're not like regular old people because the devil hates them i mean he hates them and if he hates them think about how much he hates their bosses the bishops and if he hates the bishops think about how much he hates their boss the pope i mean if we're not praying this prayer, man, we're missing an opportunity to invoke the mighty power of God against our worst enemy. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And you know who saw that, Matt, was Pope St. John Paul II. He, he saw that, and he said, um, you know, even though this prayer is no longer recited at the end of Mass, I ask everyone not to forget it. I ask everyone not to forget it. And to obtain help, to recite it, that is, to obtain help in the battle against the forces of darkness and against the spirit of this world. I think that's so incredible because the prayer, the prayer helps, helps, us, um, helps orient us against the battle that we're, tr- that we're truly facing against, against the spiritual battle. You know, it was an early favorite prayer in our family, too. And there's something that's sort of rousing about it, right? There's something that sort of, like, gets up your it's a little bit and, and gives you kind of like a boost of of confidence and courage. Uh, you know, my son, who's like 11 now, this is one of the earliest prayers that he got excited about after Mass, uh, because if you're a if you're a kid, right, if you're like a six-year-old boy and you get to pray for St. Michael to kick Satan's butt, you know, I mean, it's like, I mean, who, who doesn't have those struggles and want to see Satan put where he belongs? That's right. Get the angel out there carrying the sword. Let's go, baby. Yeah, indeed. Well, you know, you're a... You're a priest when we talk about this idea of praying this for our priests specifically. I mean, would you w- want to throw out maybe a couple of needs that people might not realize are in the life of priests that we can have in mind when we pray this prayer to St. Michael? Absolutely. I mean, I think one is for one is for the priest um, to be confident in his ministry, um, to be confident in his ministry. And I mean, I mean that he would have the courage to say difficult things to his people. Um, because uh, I think a lot of times people misunderstand what it's like for a priest to have to articulate a difficult teaching in the church. It's extremely painful, um, even even when the priest knows that the truth will be a consolation. 
it's difficult. It's a difficult truth. Um, I think too, uh, for priestly fraternity, so many priests feel feel alone, and even even though they have other friends who are priests, and some some priests like like me are lucky enough to religion live in religious communities and sort of have a kind of strength of fraternity. But priestly loneliness is a, is a huge challenge. So so I would say those two things that a, that a priest might be able to preach with clarity to his people, even difficult teachings. And that a priest would put, wouldn't feel alone; that he would know that heaven's ministers are alongside him, supporting him in his work. Well, thanks so much, Anna. Anna got in my way there. We'll turn it over to Anna in a moment. You can find Father Patrick Briscoe linked at our Sunday Visitor at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. Pope Francis is preparing to preside over a consistory to create new cardinals. The 21 men who will be elevated tomorrow come from all over the world, among them American-born Cardinal-elect Robert Prevost, who is the prefect of the Dicastery for Bishops, as well as the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States currently, Cardinal-elect Christophe Pierre. This coming ahead of the opening of the Synod Assembly, which begins next week on October 4th. In Washington, Congress is coming close to running out the clock on avoiding a government shutdown at the end of the week. Federal funding is set to expire Saturday night if lawmakers fail to strike a deal. A group of conservatives in the House are pushing for deep spending cuts that probably couldn't make it through the Democratic-controlled Senate, according to Washington watchers. Meanwhile, Senate leaders are pushing a plan to fund the government through mid-November that includes aid for Ukraine and disaster relief funding which that group of conservative Republicans opposes. Former President Trump will not try to move his Georgia election interference case to federal court. Brian Shook reports. His lawyer said Thursday that the decision is based on Trump's well-founded confidence that the court intends to fully, completely protect his constitutional right to a fair trial and guarantee him due process of law. Many expected the former president to try to move the case in order to invoke immunity protections for federal officials. Trump has pleaded not guilty to all charges in a racketeering indictment for alleged efforts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results. I'm Brian Shook. The Northeast is bracing for more flooding. The National Weather Service says a high-impact flood event could affect millions of people in the New York tri-state area today. Forecasters say nearly an inch of rain per hour is possible, as well as flash flooding. New York City officials have issued a travel advisory through early Saturday morning. Heavy rain is also likely in Connecticut and New Jersey. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain will be taking to Facebook Live later this morning to announce the next steps in the strike against the big three Detroit automakers. Last Friday, the strike expanded from three plants to an additional 38 GM and Stellantis parts and distribution locations. The strike was not expanded at Ford plants because of progress made in contract talks with Ford. Meanwhile, the writer's strike is over, but Hollywood actors are still picketing, demanding better pay and protections. Mark Mayfield has the story. On Wednesday, SAG-AFTRA announced that they'll begin negotiations again next week. The talks will be attended by several executives from the Actors Union and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. SAG-AFTRA members are asking for a bigger cut of the revenue from streaming shows and more protections against the use of artificial intelligence. I'm Mark Mayfield. 
America's top military leader is headed for retirement. Yesterday, rather, was the last working day at the Pentagon for Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley. An official farewell ceremony will be held this morning at Joint Base Myers-Henderson Hall in Virginia. President Biden is expected to attend and give remarks. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton and Yelp are suing each other over the verbiage used to describe pro-life crisis pregnancy centers online after the Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs case to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yelp began notifying users that crisis pregnancy centers, quote, typically provide limited medical services and may not have licensed medical professionals on site, end quote. Paxton said the site violated Texas law by posting incorrect information. Yelp preemptively sued Paxton on Wednesday in order to maintain the notices about crisis pregnancy centers not providing abortion services. Yesterday, Paxton filed his own lawsuit alleging the company misled consumers. Pope Francis this week met with university students from Asia as part of the Building Bridges Initiative. Vatican News reports their conversation focused on social networks and media literacy, bullying, teenage suicide, and religious freedom and testimony. He said to them, you need the harmony that is found in the beauty of the differences that you know how to create so well in Asia. That's the news. It's 35 past. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, when does the church speak infallibly? The church speaks infallibly when it speaks through the Pope and bishops united in a general council, or through the Pope alone, when he proclaims to all the faithful a doctrine of faith or morals. Examples of the Church speaking infallibly include the Council of Trent, when the Church proclaimed that there is a single canon of sacred scripture. The Pope has spoken infallibly when he declared that Mary was assumed into heaven, body and soul. The infallibility of the Church does not mean that the Pope cannot sin or that he cannot be mistaken in anything. Whether the Pope is a good man or a bad man in his private life, he will always tell the truth when he speaks ex cathedra, because the Holy Ghost is guiding him and will not permit him to err or teach falsehood in faith or morals. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
the Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Friday, the 29th of September. Archangels of God, pray for us. It is their feast day, the Feast of the Archangels. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network, online at lifeandhope.com. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. I think between you and me and our listeners, we know plenty of cases that were uh, very difficult or we knew someone was nearing the end of life uh, where they were brought into palliative care, uh, hospice care, and their family uh, you know, tried to share those last moments with them. And those are hard things to know about, you know, what to do and what to say, and we sort of lean on the church for guidelines and, and what to do uh, and how to do it best. But there's some situations where people get pressured, uh, where people um, make decisions that are not necessarily ethical, and uh, you've been, you know, paying attention to this for a while. What are some things to maybe watch for in the life of our family members if we get into those kinds of situations? Right, exactly right, Matt. And let, let me just first say before we start here, you, you, the nature of the work that we do, we're only getting the hard cases. We're only getting the cases where families are in crisis. So we're dealing with situations and facilities that are battling, right, to, to, to preserve life. I mean, the families are trying to preserve life, and they're battling hospitals that have other motives or, or are trying to do just the opposite. So we don't we seldom hear of the wonderful facilities that are out there, and these include the hospice facilities that do exist. But as I said, unfortunately, we, we get the cases where families are fighting to keep their loved ones alive. And one of the things that we've been noticing these past 20 years, Matt, when it comes to end-of-life care, is uh, the, the calls that we're getting from loved ones that are being cared for in hospices, and they feel as though their loved ones' lives are being hastened. And... Uh, we can sometimes we we refer to that, or we hear it more and more often as terminal sedation or palliative sedation. And essentially, what that is is there's a, a, an extra amount of drugs given to expedite the person's life. And many times, family members will get calls, and they'll say they went to visit their loved one uh, two days ago, expecting them and, and being told they're they're probably going to live, you know, in another couple few weeks, only to come in. Two days later, and their loved one has passed away, and they're shocked, surprised, and they feel as though something happened to impose death on these individuals. So uh, Brad Mattis, who uh, he actually used to serve on our board, he, he wrote an article this week on this issue and, and some of the problems that are, are, are frequently occurring in these hospice facilities when it comes to these uh, terminal sedation types of situations. And i got to tell you, the article is disturbing, but it, it really falls in line with many of the calls that we're getting from families that feel the same way, where their loved one is given extra medicine to impose death uh, before nature takes its course, so to speak. Well, this would be a very difficult thing to prove, and let's be honest, mm -hmm. you know, when we are at the side of a loved one, you know, there's a lot of emotions wrapped up in it and a lot of us are not medical professionals and so it's hard for us to know what is and isn't happening so i would imagine that that figuring out when something has been done wrong uh, and sorting that out from our own just sort of emotional distress at losing someone we love i mean what's our recourse to kind of figure out and make sure this is being done ethically when we're so clouded with i mean I, the people who call you obviously bobby are clouded with all kinds of emotions and trying to figure out uh, what their rights are and what the right thing is to do. 
Well, you're right, Matt. It's, it's extremely difficult. And you know, is the patient is it a result of the palliative care where where the facility and the doctors are actually treating the suffering, and in doing so, it actually caused a person's death, and there was nothing uh, nefarious that took place or anything that that would be considered uh, you know improper. They were just treating the patient's suffering and pain for whatever reason that the patient died as a result. So you're right. It, it, it's extremely difficult to know what actually caused the death. But, but, I, but I think, you know, something in this article that I really was surprised me that, that Brad exposed, there was a, uh, a woman, her name is Michelle Young Dewars, and she's been following this issue for some time. She wrote a book called Killing for Profit, The Dark Side of Hospice. And in it, she wrote, in 2019, there was over 600 published reports, 600, Matt, of criminal wrongdoing on part of hospice organizations on the Department of Justice website. So I think that's kind of hard to ignore when you have that type of volume of complaints and reports of criminal wrongdoing. So it seems to me um, there are cases where something like these types of criminalizations uh, occur. Uh, proving them is another thing. We've gotten dozens over and dozens of calls over the years, Matt, of families that want to find attorneys for possible wrongful death claims, and we just can't get involved in those types of disputes because we don't have attorneys that do that. But just let me tell you, I've lost count of the numbers of families that call us feeling like something happened to their loved one that was improper that hastened their death while being cared for at these types of facilities. Well, and again, this is why it's so important to have the principles and the standards and the ethical norms. And, and you know, places like the National Catholic Bioethics Center and, you know, others have, have really sort of laid out like what is and is not okay in those situations. Because again, you know, you're dealing with such a, such a thing that's difficult to prove. Now you've got other cases and these are the ones that you and I tend to talk about where it's so obvious <laughs> that someone is being rushed along that, uh, and, and could have life sustaining care for a good long while, and it's just being forced by insurance companies or hospitals or or the like. Uh, but these terminal sedation ones become very gray uh, in terms of what you can and can't uh, prove, in terms of knowing what your rights are and are not, uh, in terms of knowing all these kinds of things, and especially when you're learning all kinds of medical science on the fly because you have to because it's your loved ones. So. Uh, if our listeners want to connect with you, Bobby, because maybe they're in some of these situations and maybe they just want to know, is this something that I need to be finding outside help for? Or, I mean, is that the kind of thing that you can help a person discern if they call you? Sure. And, and that's why we need to do these types of things now, Matt. We need to prepare beforehand our family, ourselves, the documents, you know, the doctors that we have, pro-life doctors, uh, and facilities, too. We need to do our due diligence now. So if, if we ever... We are struck with these types of situations. We're prepared to deal with them, and because once it's happened, it's too late. So, yes, we can help families with these types of questions. Lifeandhope.com, lifeandhope.com. Well, it's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, Bobby, and I really do appreciate you uh, spending time to get into some some stuff that's really nuanced and and really, you know, a lot of us have some scars associated with these kinds of things, and you know maybe regrets and doubts and and fears about what might happen if something uh, happens in our own situation that that puts us uh, up front and center with these decisions. So again, lifeandhope.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Bobby Schindler, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.
Thank you, Matt. God bless you. All right, we're going to look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings with Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston next. It's a quarter till. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. He is honored as a saint, monk, and the only English-born doctor of the church. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Bede entered a monastery in England as a child and spent almost his entire life there teaching and writing. He was perhaps the most learned person of his era, authoring biblical commentaries in the famed ecclesiastical history of the English people. He died in 735 and was named a doctor in 1899. To find out more about the Doctors of the Church, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 13 till, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis is preparing to preside over a consistory to create new cardinals. The 21 men will be elevated tomorrow. In Washington, Congress is coming close to running out the clock on avoiding a government shutdown. They have it until tomorrow night. And the Holy See today released the theme for the next World Day of Social Communications. Artificial intelligence and wisdom of the heart for a fully human communication. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And every Friday morning we try and talk to a couple of priests, get their take on the Sunday Mass readings because we want to go in to Sunday Mass, being able to kind of sit with a, a passage from Scripture, let it sort of inform our whole weekend and not just the 10 minutes that we get the Liturgy of the Word on Sundays. Father Jonathan Nungan, a priest of the Diocese of Charleston, where he works in hospital and campus ministry down there. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. You know, we've been getting some complex and nuanced readings, especially when you put them all together over the past several weeks, about the nature of grace and repentance and persevering in faith and uh, who's in and who's out at the end of the day. And it only gets more complex this week, and especially with the first reading in the Gospel. I mean, uh, if you could lay out what we're going to hear this weekend. Sure. So, at the beginning, we're going to hear from Ezekiel, is the way of the Lord unfair? And ultimately, all of this, both, both our first reading 
and the gospel that we're going to hear is all about what does it mean to persevere in the end? What does it mean to truly be faithful? Um, And it's not enough to simply begin, but then not finish. So we'll hear from Ezekiel, uh, but if one turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life since he's turned away. But when someone virtuous turns away from virtue to commit iniquity and dies, it's because of the iniquity that he must die. So all of this is about faithfulness. And I think this is such a, um, such a critical element of, of the Christian life, and this is one thing that, that Catholics emphasize quite a bit, is that, yes, we are uh, justified by faith and brought in uh, through our faith into communion with Christ, but that Christ asks and expects and demands of us a living communion with him that includes preserving in his word, preserving in faithfulness. And this is, this is an emphasis that we get all throughout the Gospels, and particularly um, what we're going to hear on Sunday, our Sunday Gospel, where we hear about the two sons. One son says, I will go... Um, uh, I, I will not work in the vineyard, but then he changes his mind and is faithful to his father and works in the vineyard. Another says, no, I will go work, and then refuses. And the question is, who is the one who's the faithful one? Who is the one who truly did his father's will? It is, it is, is it the one who first refused but then eventually converts, or is it the one who says, no, 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 I will, but doesn't? And, of course, all of this is meant to point to those around Jesus, uh, that around him there were tax collectors and prostitutes and all kinds of people who were the wrong kinds of people, who seemingly had lives corrupted, and yet when they get confronted by the mercy and grace of God in the flesh, their hearts grasp hold of it and and they turn from that past and, and grab hold of him. And yet others who seemingly publicly um, were committed to righteousness and to the law of God, the Torah, they come face to face with that law and that righteousness in the flesh, and they hate him. They want to put him to death. At best, they want to ignore him. At worst, they want to have him crucified. And it reflects that, of course, the faithfulness they had was really only a faithfulness to their own pride, to their own sense of self, to their own sense of, uh, I have to do the, you know, God will owe me uh, reward if I can be faithful. Um, I can use this to lord over people if I can be faithful, if I can, you know, it's one thing that I can lord over all my fellow men, and yet we see that it's truly the the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners, the outsiders, the, the wrong kind of people who are the ones hearing this gospel of mercy and grabbing hold of it. And it's, I, I know I've said this before, these kinds of gospels are a constant reminder to, the, to us, to the religious types, you know, to the types that go to Mass every Sunday, to the types who try to live according to the Church's teaching. It's a constant reminder to not miss Christ for our own sense of goodness and faithfulness. Yeah, I was joking earlier, um, you know, that when I was talking to Anna Mitchell, we were discussing some of the chaos and division and 
and the heated ways that people discuss certain issues and who who's in and who's out and who we're suspicious of and who we don't trust and who's you know just destroying the world out there and needs to be stopped and and sometimes we can have uh too much delight at the uh vision of our enemies in hell and you know that can eclipse the delight of our thought of our own selves in heaven right we're more excited about thinking about bad people in hell than we are about thinking of ourselves in heaven uh, but with all this you you also get this sense like we need to always have in our minds what is the goal of us as christians being in a world that doesn't understand or is sometimes just downright overly hostile to us is our goal to defeat that world or to bring the people from that world to the banquet and it's always got to be that second thing right if we believe what we have is the truth if we believe that the image of God is on our neighbor, then our goal is not merely to, you know, just prove the neighbor wrong, right? That's a radical oversimplification. The goal is for us to be all eating at the same table of the Eucharist. Absolutely. And this gospel should be, um, it should humble us. You know, I think one thing when I when I read about it, I can't help but think about how in the providence of God, We've seen uh, cultures and their faithfulness to the gospel kind of upended. You know, what I mean by that is, you know, historically it's been what Europe, right? Europe and the West sort of embraced the gospel with, with some, not always in a great way, but embraced the gospel and then sent that gospel out to where? Africa, Asia, all kinds of places. And now what are we seeing? that European culture that first embraced the gospel, that built beautiful cathedrals, beautiful art, beautiful music, literature, it's, it's losing the gospel. It's needing to rediscover it again. And who are the ones who are going to be sharing that gospel with that privileged, comfortable, Western, first world? Why, it's those missionary priests from Africa, from Asia, uh, from these other places. In the, in the providence of God, those who first received it in many ways and first embraced it with gusto a thousand years ago, 1,500 years ago, are needing to be called to fresh repentance. Fresh well, it's a caricature, but, you know, whenever you've got a visiting priest in my world, my experience has generally been, if it's a guy from the diocese who's passing through, uh, you're probably going to be told that you should be nicer to someone who cuts you off in traffic. If you get a visiting priest from Nigeria in the pulpit, buckle up because you're going to get told the truth. <laughs> That's why, Buttercup, you're you're getting uh, you're getting you're going to be told comfort, what you then. need to actually be fixing about your life. So that's my that's just my my uh, anecdotal experience. I think that's a beautiful work of God's providence, though that those who are you know first you know the kind of first privileged sons are always needing to be called to deeper conversion, as is everyone. And we're going to hear about that this Sunday. We are indeed. So uh, thankfully, we've got a little time to reflect on it before that happens. Father Jonathan Duncan, thank you. Have a great day. That wraps it up for the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you to all of you listening across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network on all our affiliate stations. Thank you to those of you who've been... uh, first adopters and and helped us to uh, break in the new video stream as well you can tune into that again next week it's now a thing Uh, you'll find the link every day in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com until Monday I'm Matt Swaim for everyone here may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace